get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, which, like us, is Pure South Florida. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all of your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years of complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on every new vehicle. In-house financing is available if you have credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 or come into the dealership, you work directly with a dedicated manager, not a salesperson. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota, DoralToyota.com, or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Vamos, let's go. And now, Mark Hockman. Welcome to another edition of the Five Reasons Podcast. My name is Chris Whittingham, joined as always by Ethan Skolnick. Check out all the podcasts in the Five Reasons Sports Network. Going on the Miami Dolphins, three yards per carry, and the fish tank got Miami Heat beat. Going, of course, on the Miami Heat, goalie on ice on the Panthers, and much more. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are now joined by, uh, for us, a guest who has has had an adversarial relationship at times with the Five Reasons Sports Network, but we love him all the same. Mark Hockman is joining us. Hawk, how are you doing, sir? Thank you very much. I'm going to take issue already. It's not a network. It's a bunch of podcasts. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so what is the difference? What is the difference between a network and a bunch of I don't of know. Podcasts? I just wanted to start out adversarial. <laughs> so so what, what has been the subject of your adversary? I feel like you've, you, you've sort of uh, maybe found that we're, we're encroaching on some turf. You don't like uh, some of the things that we're doing. What, what has been your biggest issue with Five Reasons? No, I have no issue with Five Reasons whatsoever. I'm not a podcast. You know that, Chris. Yes, so I, no I, I find it easy. I listen to Howard Stern a lot, and Stern always pokes fun at podcasts. And I do a lot of stuff on the show that are in tribute, if not <laughs> outright uh, thievery, uh, to Howard Stern. I call it tribute. I do a lot of things on the show in tribute to Howard Stern. I'm just stealing his stuff. But it's, uh, it's fun to be the old guy that doesn't understand podcasts. And uh, get out of my Twitter feed, you know, podcasts. <laughs> so wait a second. I, actually, so when Armando Salguero is stealing our stuff, it's actually tribute. It's not thievery. <laughs> <laughs> depends. Depends how you want to couch it. I couch it as a tribute. All right, it's a tribute. We'll go with that. So you, here's what's interesting to me about your attitude about podcasts is that I went back and looked at, and I want to talk to you about some about this at when 790 started, and I mm. know obviously your involvement with everything that that happened over there, and. When they started, you know, 560, the famous quote, you know, about Sissy Boy Radio that made it to the Sun Sentinel about what 560, about what 790 was doing and that that would never last and all the rest. And obviously it lasted. Right. And now you guys are actually on the same team um, and you were there for a while. So do you, are you concerned at all, Hawk, that maybe the stance you're taking on podcasts, maybe a little bit similar to the stance that people took about what you guys were all doing, say, 12, 13 years ago. No, and, and I, have, uh, I have a bunch of audio that, that I still have on a hard drive somewhere of me making fun of 560 and the dinosaurs that work over at 560. And then, you know, fast forward a few years later, and I'm one of the dinosaurs working at 560. So I have no shame and stuff like that. People do that all the time. I don't care what the the medium is what the job is they'll rail on something and then all of a sudden it becomes their bread and butter joy taylor did it with uh with uh, uh skip bayless i mean joy joy had a cottage industry of making fun of skip bayless until she announced she was going to work for skip bayless for a lot of money so people do that all the time there's no shame in it we like to point it out I happen to have a vested interest in podcasts only because the real growth area in terrestrial radio, believe it or not, is is podcasts. So when they look at us on 560 WQAM, when, when Intercom looks at how we're performing, 
I get more emails about how many podcast downloads we get than about what ratings are because that's where the growth area is. So it's an easy stance and it's a fun stance, but that is the podcast is really nothing more than getting your content whenever you want to get it, which is what we do with television. It's what we do with social media. It's what we do with audio. So you want to get your content whenever you want to get it. Podcasters have a name, but really any any medium that is a make that is making their content you know whether it's the daily show and you want to watch it time shifted on dvr you want to watch it on hulu or you want to watch it on uh on the app like whenever you can time shift something it's essentially a podcast but it is a fun stance to take and you're not a network <laughs> well actually, I, actually actually the corporate name our corporate name is not network right chris so yeah. I, actually our, our corporate name is five reasons sports podcast it's funny what you're mentioning about about joy and skip because i, I went back and looked at some of joy's tweets about skip through the years and, as and, as did awful announcing by the way as did awful announcing but it actually it brought me back because I think at one point, what was it? Xfinity was going to sponsor us, right? Chris? Yes, that's right. I had to go at, through and delete all your tweets. I, I, I sent Whittingham on like a Whittingham and Cochran on a two hour search through my tweets of all the times I was bitching about the fact I, that I had, I had to I search at Ethadishkolnik Xfinity, at Ethadishkolnik Comcast, at Ethadishkolnik. By the way, it would be easier to find someone on, on this planet that has not tweeted something negative about Xfinity or Comcast. Right. Than it would to be, go back I mean, and delete would, everyone's. I, w- I would imagine everyone at some point has a tweet about Comcast or Xfinity. Talk. I once got into an argument with them on the phone. I was so disgusted and I'm I'm yelling at this poor girl who's probably, you know, 20 years old and I'm telling her this is like dealing with Soviet era utilities <laughs> and she has no idea what I'm talking about and I'm feeling really good about my Dennis Miller type reference there and I'm like, you know what, I just just eat it and pay the $40 or whatever they're saying. It would, it would be like if American Airlines all of a sudden started sponsoring <laughs> the podcast because, uh, you know, they, they wanted to get into the digital space. And then I got to go. I got to go scrub all of Ethan's tweets. Uh, but it, it, it definitely is sort of one of those things. And I was actually uh, sort of marveling at it because I, I was I saw that uh, Levitard's download numbers are like obviously the tops at tops at ESPN. They had like 8.2 million last month. And that's actually something that you guys started. Like, did you know when you started the Seven Night of the Ticket podcast? Because I remember, like, I was in high school listening to the Dan Lebetard Show podcast. Like, is that is that something that you guys knew at the time, or is it just hey, corporate's asking us to do this? And next thing you know, you've grown probably one of the biggest digital properties in all of audio. I think it was something that everyone knew they had to do because everyone was doing it. Nobody knew how to monetize it. Nobody knew how it was going to kind of you know, um, populate the, the industry, uh, in the future, but we did the same thing. The, the reason that the Twitter account, the Twitter handle is Levitard show and not Dan Levitard is I read a story probably in a newspaper, by the way, about Twitter. And, <laughs> and I said, so I go in and I, I'm either talking to Dan on the phone or we're at the station. And I said, you know, we need to create a Twitter account. What's that? And I go, well, you, you say things, you know, whatever. And so I show him what Twitter is. And I think literally the first tweet that we saw is Chris Mortensen. And it says, I, I just mowed my lawn. <laughs> it, 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 you know, Twitter was in its early, early incarnation. So you didn't really know what to do with it. I found that to be fascinating. Dan's reaction was, what the fuck do I want to know if Chris Mortensen just mowed his lawn? And I'm like, wow, you don't see that this is the future. We could know what Chris Mortensen is doing at all times. And, and so we created this Twitter account just called Levitard Show. And the whole idea was whoever tweets something off the account, whether it was me or Mike or uh, Stugatz or Dan, we would just sign it at the end. And, and, and so that's why it's got that weird Levitard Show. Uh, and really Dan just tweets off it. Now, I don't even know if he tweets off it much anymore, but no, podcasts, kind of the same thing. Everyone knew that you had to have one. I think we were owned by uh, Joel Feinberg at that time, and, and every radio company, whether it was a small one like ours or a large organization, was getting pitched by these companies that you know would come in and, and create the, uh, the, the software for your podcast and how to download it and how people could access it and whatnot. And, and so we did one because everyone told us that you were supposed to do one. 
<laughs> and then it grew into that. Yeah, what we do with five reasons is I tweet a bunch of stuff and blame it on Winningham. That's that's. <laughs> I, I, I take all. I, take... I always assume the five reasons tweets are coming from Ethan. I assume everyone. That, that, that is a fair assumption, Hawk. That is not an assumption that everyone makes, though. <laughs> well, well, no, it's not. I, I will say we, I was at uh, I was at the heat scrimmage up at FAU, and afterwards, I'm um, talking to Andy Ellisberg, and like you know, say hello and hey, how you doing? How's it going? And all the rest of that, and you know, of course, I wanted to ask him Jimmy Butler questions, but then he looks at me, he goes, "So who runs the Five Reasons account?" I'm like, "Oh, we we, we all do. Uh, we all do. I, we kind of take turns." And he's like, "Oh, it's it's nice to have that, you know, in in an era where uh, you often had your your picture and a byline. All of a sudden, you have some plausible deniability for things that you want to say, but maybe don't want to attribute it to yourself." Yeah, it's Whittingham. It's Whittingham. Oh, <laughs> if it's anti-heat, it's definitely Whittingham. I, I want to go back, though, to, uh, you know, you're talking about sort of the Twitter account and all that. Um, but just the very beginning uh, with 790, with Levitard's show, with everything. Did you guys have any sense of what you were creating? No. I, and, and, you know, and understand this. He did. I didn't. Uh, he, you know, and I was the radio guy. I was working in radio in West Palm Beach, and I was doing music radio. Like, that. that was always my dream was to be a – a top 40 DJ and I was living my dream like that that I wasn't making any money but I was living my dream um I love talking up the ramp of a song and you know you know playing your flame throwing five at five or whatever like I, I loved all that stuff <laughs> and he called me and he said hey I'm gonna do a radio show on 790 it's a startup radio station they're gonna go against 560 and I didn't even know much about the Miami market at that point to be quite honest because I was in West Palm and uh, and he said, I want you to come on the show. And it, and it was it was a little different than that, because this was like two weeks into the show already. Uh, Andy King, who's at Sirius XM now, but Andy King, super nice guy. He was in charge of Dan's show when it first started at 790. Stu Gatz was the co-host. Dan was the host. And Andy King was hired as the executive producer. But Andy didn't know Dan and really didn't have like, you know, he was just a kid. I mean, literally just a kid. And Dan would call me leading up to the show and he'd say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this and I'm thinking about doing that. And really my, my radio mind would say to him every step of the way, Oh no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And he would say, why? This is one of the things that makes Dan great. Why? And I would go, I, I don't know. Cause you can't like, you just don't do that on radio. And he'd be like, well, why? And so what happened was he starts the show and I think it was on from four till seven. And he would call me at 7.01. This was the first week of the show. Call me at 7.01. And he was tortured because he did not want to put out a product that didn't feel was worthy of his time or his name. And, and he was tortured. And he would go for these long bike rides. I don't know what he told you because I know he was, a, he was on your podcast. Um, and I didn't listen to it because I, I hate him. Um, but I, I, I don't <laughs> really hate him. That was a joke. And, and, and I hate podcasts, and I, I hate oh, the network, and I hate, uh, Chris, I hate Chris, dredging Mark, all this up. Chris, mark the timestamp on that one, because that's the clip. <laughs> There's your headline. <laughs> Hawkman, tweet- I hate him, I'm Levitard, gonna, parenthetically. Yeah. I'm going to tweet that for the five reasons account. Blame it on Whittingham. So, <laughs> <laughs> on the patron feed. So, so uh, he would call, and then uh, he was tortured by, like, this first week of shows, and uh, – he would go for these long bike rides trying to figure out, am I doing the right thing or not? And I'm sure he, he told you the story. People know it. But he didn't even sign a contract with the radio station because he wanted to see how it would go for a couple months before he would actually commit to doing it on a long-term basis. Anyway, to bring it back, so he calls me and he says, you know what? you got to come be the executive producer of the show because you're the only guy that gets me. And people that don't know, we were best friends in college. He's like, you're the only guy that understands what I want to do. And you're the only guy that I know that really knows radio. Cause I'd been in radio since 1991 when I graduated university of Miami. And, uh, and I said to him, Dan, I don't know sports. Like I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy sports the way that you do. And I, I, I've never done a sports radio show. And he said, I'm not doing a sports radio show. And it sounded cute, you know, but I knew he was doing a sports radio show, but I was wrong. He wasn't doing a sports radio show. He was doing a radio show, which is why we were able to thrive because that's what I was able to bring to the show was radio acumen. Like I, I didn't know, but anyway, he, uh, 
he wanted to do things all the time. I remember when we came back from an interview, I forget who it was. This was in the early days of the show. He comes back. It's the next segment. And he starts talking about, wow, that interview was bad. I am so sorry. That was bad. And I'm behind the glass and I'm waving at him. No, no. You know, I'm giving him the throat slit signal, like stop, stop, stop. And we get to the next commercial break. And he's like, why are you telling me to stop talking? And I say, you don't, you don't come back on the air and say that we just did a bad interview. And he's like, well, why? And I said, I, I, I don't know. You just, you don't do that. And he's like, but did you think the interview was bad? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, I thought the interview was bad too. He goes, so if you and I both think it's bad, don't you think the audience thinks it's bad? So why would we pretend that it wasn't bad? Let's acknowledge it's bad. And that was, for me, that was like the, the, the wake up moment where I was like, wow, like everything I thought I knew about radio, I can kind of throw out the window because this guy's first of all, got the cachet to take chances. He already had a name and he knew the station needed him more than he needed the station. And that's a really powerful place to be in, in whatever you do. And then I realized like, he's, he's serious. He wants to do something that's not sports radio. I had known sports radio the way everyone down here. Oh, my line's ringing. My voice, my, my, my line is clicking through. I'm, I'm woefully unprepared for this, this call. <laughs> what is that, Comcast? I Who's apologize. Calling? Who's calling? I apologize wholeheartedly. It's one of those, you know, numbers with like 5,000 numbers that's coming from the Ukraine. <laughs> you shouldn't have ordered that mail order bride. They're, that's, yeah. they're, they're, they're calling on behalf of the DeSantis campaign. <laughs> So yeah, that was the that was the whole thing with uh, with the start of of Dan's show it was like yeah it was it was not going to be a sports show. The funny thing is, I still have the first three hours of the show. We we I have it. I have it on a hard drive, and I have actual compact discs with it on there. And there is, I mean, forty five minutes spent with Chris Mortensen just talking about football. Like it's so sportsy <laughs> that it's scary. Like he knew what he wanted to do. But you have to take baby steps. Like you can't just come out and be the twelfth year of the Levitard show in the first week of the Levitard show. And uh, and it's one of those things. I I, I believe I've seen it on uh, on Reddit as well. On on Reddit, they posted the first uh, two or three hours of the original show, and I I just sort of find curious. So you're brought in to kind of be the radio expertise, but you're you're in in some ways you both learn from each other because you're basically saying I don't ad- I I I adhere to these conventions but Dan doesn't want to so in some ways how has that shaped your experience and your frankly your your hosting now as a host on 560 how is that kind of both balancing the traditional against the non-traditional because you strike me as someone you talk about hitting the post and all these very uh, specific radio jargon terms uh, when when you're kind of on the air now how do you balance those two things because you're also you're very old school and you're very non-traditional so which is kind of the stronger influence yeah I'm a little bit schizophrenic in that because I do the nuts and bolts of radio I love the industry and uh, and I used to have a problem you know when we worked at 790 and Boog was on the uh, on the air with us, Boog Shambi, and it, it, the lineup it was it was Boog, and then uh, and then I think we came on after him, and Boog and Dan like are very good after friends. Craig Minervini. <laughs> that was uh, that was after Craig Minervini, I believe. It was it was Miner- it was Craig Minervini and Jason Salotkin, I think. Right? They were doing the uh, that's right middays when we started because right. uh, it was Joe Rose in the morning. It was it was Craig Minervini and Jason Salotkin middays, and then I. I drawn a blank, but anyway, Boog was part of it, but Boog and Dan used to make fun of radio in general all the time. And it was, you know, they would always let everyone know what, a what the, how it was the lowest rung on the totem pole, which by the way, it is in media, just probably, probably just above a podcast network, but it's the (laughs) lowest rung on, on radio. But we're not a podcast uh, network. network. (laughs) You're actually lower than a podcast (laughs) network. You're a, you're 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 a a, a grouping of podcasts, uh, 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 hoping to be a network one day. No, I'm just teasing you. I, I mean, people are very sensitive nowadays. Um, so Boog and Dan used to make fun of radio and I love radio so much. I used to love radio when I was a kid, you know, certain people like they can sit down at a piano. They just know how to play piano. 
when I was a kid, I could listen to B96 in Chicago, where I grew up. And when they changed their jingle package, and that's the thing that sings, you know, B96, and, th- and there would be jingle package changes like maybe once every 18 months or so. Like, I would notice it. Nobody notices. More people don't notice that nowadays when, you know, whoever, whatever radio station changes their jingle package. But I would notice that as a kid. I remember we had an assembly once when I was in grade school or middle school, and they brought out two special guests. The first special guest was Brant Miller. He was the nighttime DJ, I think at the Loop in Chicago. And no one was excited but me. I was like, wow, Brant Miller is here on our school stage. And this is unbelievable right here. And then they brought out Orlando Woolridge, you know, forward for the Chicago Bulls out of Notre Dame, uh, (laughs) who later died of a cocaine overdose, I believe. And he was there, by the way, to give us an anti-drug speech. And they bring out Orlando Woolridge, and I was more excited about Brant Miller than I was Orlando Woolridge. I was the only kid in school that was more excited about the radio DJ. So that was just something that came to me early on. I love radio. And then Boog and Dan would continually make fun of the industry. And it's like, oh, and radio this and radio that. And I told them both. I'm like, you know, I, I get annoyed. And it was a serious conversation. I'm like, I get annoyed at you guys poking fun at radio all the time because I love this medium. And so I still do to this day. So to answer your question, Chris... I, the, the format and what radio is evolving to, just as any you know, dying uh, medium is, and it, it's fun and it's ripe for uh, satire. But at the same time, I do love the nuts and bolts of it. So, you know, if the program director tells me to be out at 14 minutes past the hour, I'm going to be out at 14 minutes past the hour. And if you're supposed to tease something that's coming up in the next hour because it's a a time spent listening building element i'm gonna do that like so i do try to keep the formatics true to what radio is supposed to be just because i'm a radio nerd i love it we'll get back to more cockman in a second but first want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network and that is betdsi.com you've got to go to betdsi.com put in the promo code reason 101 that's reason no S at the end, Reason 101, and you will get your initial deposit matched up to $2,500. We have all these teams on the Mount Rushmore of mediocrity right now. The best way to make it fun, bet for them, bet against them, bet on something, bet on soccer, bet on basketball, hockey, whatever it is you want to bet on. Chris, what do you got going on there? Yeah, so uh, I, I am very much taking your advice in terms of spicing things up. Uh, you, you mentioned soccer. The MLS playoffs start. So, I, I'm, listen, it's a midweek. There aren't a ton of events going on. Their NBA games, maybe I guess the tactic is just to bet overs because uh, there's so much scoring going on in the NBA. But uh, MLS playoffs going on, NFL season full swing, college football, NBA. We don't have World Series to gamble on anymore. But any number of events, check it out. BetDSI.com. Use the promo code REASON101 to get your deposit matched up to $2,500. So how do you strike the balance? Because Dan has had to do this, and I know you've, you've had to do this too, of being on a sports radio station. But as you said, you didn't really get into it because of sports. You got into it because of radio. And now you're in a town that, as you know, is notoriously fickle when it comes to its teams. And now all the teams, I was going to call this the Mount Rushmore of mediocrity that we have right now. <laughs> Again, a flattery, because I'm stealing that from you. Uh, where, where really nobody's any good. Like, so how do you approach that on a daily basis now to keep it fun? Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of people are coming to you for sports and they're sort of angry about their teams. We just try to entertain. That's just the, the bottom line. But I think that's true of any entertainment medium, like just try to entertain. So it doesn't matter if you're making a movie, a television show or whatever, the, 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 what the, what the skeleton is supposed to be is, is just the skeleton, but then you have to entertain after that. And you know, like, you know, when you're entertaining and when you're not entertaining, it's much like a, uh, especially with the text machine. Now it's almost like a, a stand-up comedy club. Like you can see if something's working, something's not working. I don't give it over, uh, I don't, I don't overly value what the text machine is. Cause after many years of doing radio, you kind of have a, a feel for what's working or not, but Sports, people tune into sports radio, I believe, because they want to hear something that resembles that because they're sports fans or moderate sports fans at best. But really what radio is the best at any medium, the best is creating relationships. It's why live spots, live endorsements work best on radio and really only exist on radio 
because radio creates relationships with listeners. If you can do it long enough and you can keep it, you know, enough of the same where people understand what they're going to get, they become vested in the, uh, in the personalities. I learned that early on growing up, you know, Steve Dahl in Chicago for me was like, you know, this guy where it didn't matter what he was talking about. Like I wanted to hear what he had to say. And I always, I always use the example, like Will Manso, who is a highly recognizable figure in Miami. He's a, he's a sports anchor on channel 10. He does the Miami heat pre and post game show on Fox sports sun, but nobody's going to run up to will and say, Oh my God, can I get a channel 10 t-shirt? It just doesn't happen because the medium's not conducive for that because on the sports anchor on, on channel 10, you know, you get three minutes maybe to, to deliver just sports news on the heat pre and post game show. It's highly formatted. You've, Posted a, uh, you do the Dolphins pregame show on QAM now, Chris. Like it's formatted, it's not conducive to that. And so people don't walk up to Jim Barry and say, Oh my God, can I get a Channel 4 t shirt? But with radio people and, and podcasters, uh, as I know you have a line of hats, uh, you, you have people that, that want, they have a vested interest in the characters, and they are characters. I know, you know, we're people. But we're characters. It's the, the honest to God truth, because my wife, you know, she tells her friends all the time, like, don't listen to what he says on the radio, because when I go out there, I'm entertaining. That's all I'm doing. So everything is, you know, stretched to a level that makes it a more entertaining story on the radio. But you connect and you get to know people through this medium. It's it's the only one that can do that. And so, yeah, when I'm doing the show, like, I know sports is there. I know that we're certainly going to touch on interesting topics, but, you know, having a partner like Channing Crowder, like, so I can talk all day long about the NFL trade deadline. I could do it. It doesn't matter. Like we, the, the previous program director that we had wanted me to do that. So I did it. I mean, I work for him. So I'm not Dan Lebetard. I can't tell somebody to go fuck themselves. Like they'll, they'll fire me. So he wanted me to talk four hours of, of NFL trade deadline, I'll do that. Like I'll explain to you why, or I'll have Channing explain why Amari Cooper for a first rounder is ridiculous when you could have had Golden Tate for a third rounder. We could do that, or we can talk about Channing Crowder's interactions, you know, with the most outlandish receiver that he ever played with with the Miami Dolphins, and then that gets into a further story and further story. So. You're using sports and whatever the topic of the day is as the backbone, but you use it as jump off points into something more interesting. It doesn't mean that you don't talk about also what transpired at the trade deadline. Doesn't mean you don't talk also about, you know, what is what is Eric Spolstra gonna do when Dion Waiters is healthy to play or is Dion Waiters like it doesn't mean that you don't ever hit those topics you do, but you use them also as jump off points. And I guess sort of the question is, is how much is it now a drop a drop off point and how much is it a jump off point and how much is it just sort of the content? Because I feel like you and Crowder in particular, I've, I've been around when you're off air. It's my favorite. My favorite show in the market is is the off air Hockman and Crowder and show because you guys are crazy. But uh, but sort of how much is now just the dynamic between the, the three of you, because along with Eric Falero, your producer. And do you sort of feel comfortable now that you're at a stage where your show is almost existing as a show rather than as a sports delivery vehicle? Yes, you're, you're, you nailed it. Uh, I used to have to put a ton of work in um, on previous shows, you know, and I still do a lot of show prep. And I know people find that hard to believe, but I do do a lot of show <laughs> prep. But it's it, like my my show prep today It may not have a ton to do with sports, but I do do a lot of show prep every day. But for like when I was working with Zaslow, I had to put in a lot of show prep. We didn't have a natural rapport together. We had a good show by the end. At the beginning, it was super stilted, but I had to put in a lot of effort. Um, same thing when, when I started at QAM with Zach. When I was working with Zach Krantz, I had to put a lot of effort in because there were too many times I knew that I was aware of where it just nothing was moving. Crowder is the easiest radio partner that I've ever worked with because we have a mutually respectful relationship. My personality is that of an asshole at times. Crowder at times? is much more <laughs> Crowder is uh much more physically uh endowed than I am. And 
if he wanted to at the beginning of our relationship, he could have threatened to kick my ass. I would have cowered in a corner and it would have changed the direction of the show forever. Uh, but we kind of have an understanding. I can, I can verbally hold my own with Crowder. He's unbelievably good at it, but I can verbally hold my own with him. And, uh, and so we have this respect and, and understanding that we will spar verbally over everything. It will never evolve into anything other than us verbally sparring. We were in Vegas about a year ago together and a hotel security came over because he thought he needed to protect me because it, 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 it now we were both drunk and, and I was annoyed at the way he was playing blackjack. Cause I like to play by the book. I take gambling very seriously. And, uh, I've, and now, I've now become you, doing... by the way, I've now become super serious blackjack guy. <laughs> well, it's just like, I mean, at least give me the, some of the basics of playing by the book, but Crowder was, you know, doing the old, uh, well, my gut's telling me a two is coming, even though I have a 19, so I'm going to hit. And I'm like, fuck you. And, and so, but there's always this, you know, this understanding. And, and so he and I on the air, it's super easy. We can talk. I can go in uh, having, you know, it used to be torture for me. If I had something to do during the day, you know, a family obligation where I could not show prep, because I generally prep for two to three hours before any show. And if I had a family obligation, couldn't do it, I would be nuts thinking about the show, just so worried about dead air, so worried about a topic not taking off, so worried about not having something interesting or entertaining to say, because people listen to you, you know, they say you, they listen to you all day, all show, whatever. People, I mean, we see the numbers, and this is true of any radio station. People, if they give you 45 minutes a week, a week, you're getting a lot. And that's the truth of the matter. Podcasts may be a little bit different because people are going out of their way to, to listen to it when they want. But um, I want it to be entertaining. And I, so I used to get the spilkus, to use a Yiddish term, if I didn't have enough time to prep. With Crowder, I don't have to. He, he is so naturally gifted as a broadcaster. And, and I don't use that term lightly. But he has such a gift when it comes to being a broadcaster. He's intuitive. He understands how to move something along in the right direction. He understands what positions need to be taken. He understands when to throttle it back and let me do my thing. And, and I try to, to, to give the same kind of uh, credence to him. So he, he's the easiest partner. This, this is, you know, and I loved working with Dan, but there was always this, this swirl of being in Dan's orbit, which he's earned, by the way. It just wasn't necessarily cut out for my personality. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. This is the, the happiest time in my radio career. It's because of Crowder and Falero, by the way. Hey, it's Seth Levitt from the Fish Tank here on the Five Reasons Sports Network. When I'm not riding OJ's coattails in the tank, I'm, well, riding Jason Taylor's coattails at the Jason Taylor Foundation. And this Monday night, November 5th, we've got one of our most popular fundraising events taking place as the Miami Dolphins legend and first ballot Hall of Famer hosts the 15th annual JT's Ping Pong Smash presented by Publix at the Seminole Hard Rock Event Center in Hollywood. Join JT and some of South Florida's best, including current and former Dolphins players, cheerleaders, local media, 
media personalities, and more as they team up with generous community members like yourself to play in the original Celebrity Doubles Table Tennis Tournament. Yes, OJ will be there, as will Ethan Skolnick and a number of your favorite Five Reasons personalities. The Smash is a great night out for families, as it also features interactive games, haircuts, the Best Buy Fun Zone, and more. So come on out to JT's Ping Pong Smash 15 this Monday night, November 5th. Doors open at 5.30 p.m., and admission for spectators is just a $5 donation. Remember, it's at the Seminole Hard Rock Event Center, so park in the Winner's Way Garage. For more information, visit jasontaylorfoundation.org or call 954-424-0799. Well, when we had Channing on, I mean, we learned that pretty quickly, basically. I think, what do we ask, uh, Chris? Maybe four questions? Just <laughs> <laughs> sort of sort of just let him go. I will say the other benefit to this medium, uh, Hawk, is that no FCC regulations is a really good thing with Channing. Um, that was... That was a lot of fun, just sort of winding him up uh, and letting him go. But what you're talking about with radio and partnerships and all that, I mean, I can speak to that a little because, I mean, when I first, you know, took over at 790, um, after Dan left, you know, I was originally with Israel and, you know, he and I, as you know, we're really good friends and all the rest and known each other, but it was, a, I, I think we were too similar in some ways. And I think it, you know, so we kind of bumped up against each other a lot and it wasn't really comfortable, I think, for either of us. So I, I do think that matters a lot. And I yeah, think it totally matters. And you know it. You know when yeah. it doesn't mean that you're less of friends, and it doesn't right. mean that one's more talented than the other. There's sometimes these these teamings, these pairings work really well, and sometimes they just are stunted. And and if you don't have a ton of time to to work out the kinks too, which is you know uh, true for most everything in today's day and age. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so want to move with you i'm, I'm not going to make this too sportsy with you because i know you don't want to go there but i like talking about radio that's my that's I, my wheelhouse i, 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 I could I, talk I, about radio but it's probably boring i i don't i, I mean because nah. nobody likes the industry as much as i do no all right chris you want to do it you do the radio question i'll get him back to sports <laughs> no I, I i you know what i i sort of disagree with you because i feel like there's kind of uh as as social media become more popular i feel like more people are kind of into like that like people care about whether or not Woj or shams is, is breaking is breaking news so i feel like there is kind of that sort of the, the, that increased relationship with the with the media that that, that they're consuming because it's so much media that you're consuming now that I feel like that relationship is growing but I do also simultaneously and I know we've talked about this before kind of find frustrating the degree to which people don't know like so like even the fundamentals like to me people like I get into like other people's cars and they don't have six presets lined up for the stations that they listen to like it's insane <laughs> to me like how like what's your greatest example of you taking radio super super seriously and then encountering someone who doesn't even know like the very basics of not just the industry, but the use of a radio. Well, I, I would say that I'm faced with that on a daily basis because I'm so close to it and I love the radio industry so much. And then you get all these examples and you realize early on that people listen to radio passively and it's understood. That's fine. Doesn't mean the advertising doesn't work. Doesn't mean they don't hear what you're saying, but in the end, it's generally a passive behavior. It's not, you know, uh, 1940s where people are gathering their families around the radio to listen to only the shadow knows. It's on in the car while you're doing something. It's on in your headphones while you're exercising, while you're biking. It's generally on while you're doing something else. The, the greatest example I have of that before ratings were measured um, digitally, which they are now. So the way radio ratings are measured right now on something called people meters, which essentially people that are chosen to be uh, radio rating, and you can't volunteer to be one, you get chosen randomly. And so you carry around, it's like a little beeper looking device. And every radio signal is <laughs> a beeper. Yeah. And all, every radio signal is encoded with something that the human ear can't hear, but the beeper can pick it up even in a very subtle setting. So it's why radio stations that are, you know, at work listening radio stations always rank high in ratings because if it's on in the background anywhere, if you have Light FM on at your office, if you have it on in a store, a shopping mall, whoever's carrying one of these metered devices, it'll pick it up. And as long as you've listened to five minutes of that station within any given quarter hour, that radio station is going to receive some ratings for it. It's why 
sports stations love to have their signal blasting. If you go into the bathroom at Marlins Park, you you will hear the radio signal blasting in the bathrooms. Uh, Glenn Geffner and Dave Van Horn, I think it's 940. And it's because anyone that happens to have a meter on them, it's going to register that they were listening to that radio station. It's why 560 blares at Hard Rock Stadium for Dolphins or Canes game in any of the the common areas because you can get credit for that. They're a little little radio. Uh, I am, I, radio I, I am the soundtrack. I am the soundtrack to many people peeing at the half at Hard Rock Stadium. <laughs> right, and I yeah, am exactly. getting. A, I'm getting. A, in, in, right, but there's thought put into that. There's a reason that it's not just the television signal or any in-house. Like there's there's thought put into why they want to broadcast the radio signal. And then so, uh, but before it was measured digitally, there were diaries. This was back in the earlier days of radio. You would be randomly chosen to be an Arbitron family. You would be mailed diaries, and you would have to fill out a diary as to who you were listening to and when. And that's how the ratings were uh, situated. And, I mean, I'll give you the whole story on ratings if you want. If you're not in radio, it'll probably bore you. But there's a reason why everybody does all their contests on Thursdays and whatnot. And it's a, it's a long rating story. But. Back in the days of diaries, you would fill out who you were listening to and for how long. And my real wake-up call for how I knew people that listened to radio didn't pay as much attention to it as I did was I worked in West Palm Beach. We had a morning show host on Sunny 104.3, which is now 104.3 The Shark, which used to be 104.3 The Ticket. But back in West Palm, it was Sunny 104.3. We had a morning host named Kevin Kitchens. We had spent years trying to get him over to Sunny 104.3. He was on our competitor, 97.9 WRMF. So Sunny had stolen Kevin Kitchens. We had him on our station. And about three years into his tenure at Sunny, he died. And I think he was 39 years old. Died. And then, I don't know, two years later, three years later, when I would read the ratings, And I would look at what radio stations were rated highly. You could then, back in the diary days, Arbitron would supply you with the diaries, the actual filled out diaries, copies of them, and the notes that people wrote in the diaries. And I can't tell you how many people two and three years later were writing that they listened to Kevin Kitchens every morning. Oh my God, that's absolutely. He was unreal. dead. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's already been emphasized. Still, <laughs> there's a ton of people that still think the Dolphins are on 790. Right. That they, you know, they just you know people don't pay as much attention as there, we do. There, so there were yeah, people. I, I I went into a 7-Eleven once. It was probably a year and a half, or like maybe maybe a year after I left. Oh, I love the show. And I'm like, I haven't done the show in a year. What do you mean you love the oh, show? Oh, I can't you really... tell you how many people tell me. I can't tell you how many people. Oh, can you tell Dan to stop turning everything into race? <laughs> I, I haven't seen him in six years. What do you want me to tell him? Uh, I, I wanted to get into, though, because you said earlier that uh, radio is a very particular relationship that you have with the audience. Uh, because, And for me, the reason why, and it's frankly what you just mentioned, which is that, that host in West Palm was a part of that person's routine. Now, it clearly wasn't that much of a part of that person's routine because he didn't realize <laughs> that he was dead. But, but it's still something that I find fascinating where every, like people have a 9-to-5 job and then they get in their car and they listen to you and you are part of their daily life. People that listen to your show at 5 p.m. every day, you are part of their daily life, and I feel like that's the that's the relationship that you have with the audience. What do you feel like the relationship is from your standpoint? When when people come up to you and say, you are a part of my life in this way, or I love that bit that you did on the show, uh, the specific relationship that the audio medium, uh, radio in particular for you, has with your audience? Highest form of compliment, but I happen to love people. So even, you know, when I'm not doing radio or when no one knows who I am or whatnot, I love talking to people. I've always liked people. I like being around people. So for me, it's the highest form of compliment when someone, you know, texts in or comes up to me and says, you know, I was going through a really tough issue in my life. And but man, I know at 515 when I get into my car, I can tune in and you guys are going to be laughing and having fun. He's like. It, and that that's the kind of stuff that that to me means the most there it's a it's a symbiotic relationship and by the way it's it's pretty addictive i mean dan's talked about this a number of times there's a reason 
why uh, a radio host will get fired from a big radio station and then we'll have no problems, you know, taking a job at a really small station in a smaller market it's because it's addictive. Like the, the whole relationship between announcer and listener is super addictive. It's hard to let go of it. I think it's why a lot of people do social media. And I think it's uh, the reason that a lot of people do podcasts as well, because there's an addictive quality to, to having your voice heard. Although I don't know how boring this is. This boring Text no. in five sixty twenty two. Wait, wait, wait. This boring. I think Ethan checked out twenty three minutes ago. Yeah, my head just hit the table. No, no, that's <laughs> a serious question on all this though, because uh, you were talking about this a little bit earlier about you know what we talked about with Dan, and one of the things that Dan uh, mentioned is that he kind of feels like terrestrial radio is going the way of newspapers, and I, I know that. Uh, Dan kind of pounded the table on the on newspapers for a long time. We all saw it was coming there. I mean, you know, for for years and years and years. I mean, I you know, I did twenty plus years at newspapers, and th they acted like the internet was a fad, you know, and then gave it away for free. And then, oh wait a second, shit! Now people are actually on the internet, and nobody's reading our stuff, and now we need to charge for it. Now nobody's paying for it, and all the rest of this, and they've just swirled the drain. Now, I mean, th there are. At the three papers down here, Hawk, um, you know, at one point when I was at the Sentinel, we had 22 sports writers. I think the three papers combined now have 20. Um, so mm. that's that's happened over the last 10 years. But Dan sees the same thing happening in terrestrial radio. It sounds like you don't. Why? Oh, no, I totally do. He's, he's right on that. I totally do. It's just it's morphing into something else. Radio is not going to disappear because the, the bandwidth, you got to remember, that it's so it's it's finite. There's a difference between newspapers and radio in, in, in the fact that the bandwidth, the, the AM and the FM signals are finite. You cannot create more of them. So they have an inherent value. Newspapers, it's, it's infinite. I mean, you could have 100 of them in, in one city if you wanted. So there, there's that. Uh, but the way in which people consume radio is changing. And I do think radio companies are way behind the curve, much like newspaper companies were when this change was coming. Um, talk radio and sports radio, I believe, will continue on for uh, our lifetimes and probably well beyond that in terrestrial radio because there's something convenient about it. There is something um, that immediate. is immediate about it. Uh, now, when it changes, when it becomes, you know, you can get into your car and you don't have to hook up a secondary device to get this, or you got to go to the apps page and you got to wait for that to load. Like, that, that'll that'll be a little bit of a game changer. The real difference between radio and podcasts and then newspaper versus digital is the majority of the advertising money, which is what drives the industry. The more, majority of the advertising money, it's directed by large ad agencies. And like any huge company, you can make it the newspaper companies. They don't want to change because what they do works for them. It's paying the bills. People change too late because it's already stopped paying the bills. Well, large, large ad agencies, they know what pays the bills. And it's doing the same thing that they've been doing for years and years and years. But all they've done is replaced newspaper, essentially, with digital. But at some point, they're going to need to replace radio with something. But that's, a, that's many years off because it's just if you're – if you own a car dealership, and I know you guys have what Doral Toyota. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Doral, Doral Toyota. For, for, someone who, for someone who hates us, you seem to know yeah. a lot about us. Yeah, you, you listen a lot. By the way, <laughs> if you go to Doral Toyota and you mentioned five reasons, you work directly with the manager, not with the salesperson. Continue. There you go. No shame in that, by the way. No, I have um, no shame in anything anymore. But no, but I I literally have no shame in that. Like a lot of journalists would have some sort of shame in, you know, people still talking because I used to do live commercials for Squatty Potty. Zero shame whatsoever. I happen to love the product too, but zero shame in it. I have a little bit of shame in all my my pillow commercials just because that guy is such a huge Trumpy. Yeah. But uh, man, he paid his bills on time. So I mean, what am I gonna do? <laughs> um, it was a terrible pillow. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if that would get me in trouble. But terrible I saw, pillow. I see that guy on television all the time. I had no uh, idea that the, the, he, the pillows are bad. No, he's on Hannity all the time. Is he really? Hannity's yeah, he, wow. he's a Trumpy. He's like the we only literally. I used the pillow for like two nights and. And then literally we donated it to the Humane Society because we thought an animal might get a good night's sleep on it. <laughs> 
<laughs> now I continued to rave about it for about six or eight months on the radio, but that's a whole other story. But Hawk, you're um, right. But Hawk, you're right about this because I think one of the problems that newspapers have had was again when you come in as a journalist, you're basically told you can't do any of that stuff, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. use your Twitter account to. Promote and if you do, you're a sellout. You're a total sellout. And, and and we were, you know, this whole thing that I, you know, I abided by for 20 plus years, which total objectivity, right? Like on the teams you cover, total objectivity. And then I'm looking around and I'm looking at ESPN and I'm seeing like, you know, Whitlock shilling for the teams that he roots for and Skip Bayless mm-hmm. shilling for the teams that he roots for. And Stephen A. Smith is an open Knicks fan. Okay. And Colin Coward, you know, Lakers, 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 Lakers. And, and all of these guys, even Wilbon, who to me, you know, Wilbon at one point was like the paragon of journalism. Like this was a guy who was above the fray, great columnist. And like everything is Cubs, like all the time. I know you appreciate that, but like I'm watching this, and I'm seeing all the guys that are getting ahead and are going national are not obeying any of the rules of journalism that I was taught at, you know, the journalism school that I went to and that, that all the rules have been broken. And so when we've come to this network again, I'm not a network. I'm sorry. Our collection. Of <laughs> That's, what, a collection. I, That's a collection. That's a collection. A collection of podcasts. I mean, my whole attitude. A smattering, is, if you will, a smattering. A, a smattering. <laughs> <laughs> A smattering of podcasts. Um, you know, basically what I've just decided is... Can you change that to your, to your bio for just one day on five I, reasons on well, the Twitter account? Just change it to a smattering of podcasts. At, <laughs> at, 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 you know, it's five reasons sports smattering. So, I will, I, Please, I will just do- come on. It's a smattering of podcasts. And, and that smart your territory thing is barely in the smattering. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, no, no. We love smart tweets. We love Mr. Bill and Josh. Uh, but- shots at a Pell for. That's not nice. Yeah. He, intern- <laughs> he got you hot fries at a, at a gas station once. Leave him alone. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, Victor Bermudez has barely put any effort in, and he, he constantly bows out of the, the direct message thread. Let's be real about this. Oh, that. Well, that is true. Actually, you know what? I will do two things. I will put you on our direct message thread for one day. One no, day. no, thank you. <laughs> Not with that smattering of personalities you have on there. I have half of them muted on my Twitter account. I don't oh, want no. direct messages. Flying name in. names, name names, Hawk. Who's muted? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Five reasons for is muted, I think, at this point. But I will absolutely do that if we play the clip that you hate, Dan. So we're going to, when that's. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to play those two clips together. But but here the, to, again, to the larger point that you're making here um, on our smattering of podcasts, my whole attitude <laughs> is that we're a Miami sports network. Like, I am I'm, I'm I have no problem with our guys rooting for the teams. Like, I, that whole thing that, that I learned all those years ago. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, Huck, I grew up a Nick fan. Like, I grew up a Nick fan. I was I was in New York. I was I rooted for Riley's Knicks teams. And I came down here and where it changed for me, I was told, don't, you know, you got to be objective, got to be objective, got to be objective. And when I started covering those heat Knicks series, I found myself kind of pulling for the heat because I knew the players like, and so that's kind of where the whole, you know, my whole fandom died basically. Cause I'm like, I spent my whole life invested in the Knicks invested in the jets. And now it's like, I like Zach Thomas. I would like them to beat the jets. Like that, that's sort of how it, how it changed. Well, there's, there's, there's an analogy there too, though, to the whole newspaper industry, which is if you're a dinosaur, if you don't adapt to what's happening around you, then you're a dinosaur. And it's the, it's the reality of it. And so the way that you and Dan thought of journalism at one point, because that was, yeah, I mean, you can imagine that when we were first doing the radio show, that was a huge tug of war going on in Dan's head, which is, I'm still a journalist. I'm known as a journalist, but I'm doing clownish stuff that is chipping away at this facade of journalist above the fray. And then it became, well, I'm not going to do commercials, though. I'm not going to do commercials. And then he kind of stepped his toe into that now with, hey, nothing better than, you know, I, I forget what the flower company is, blah, 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 flowers. Here's Stu Gatz to tell you about it. But we couldn't even get him to do that back then you know, when we were doing the the show, he would not do live commercials. And my, my, you know, my whole take on that is, and I've never, I, and I make it very clear, I'm not a journalist. I don't, I am, I'm the furthest thing from a journalist. Most radio people are not journalists. They'll sometimes try to put on a journalism hat when it's convenient for them. But the truth is there, there's real print journalists, but it doesn't exist in the way that it once did, the, the, the standards of journalism, because there's too many people. I mean, you want a really big analogy for it? It's the mortgage industry meltdown of over a decade ago. You had legacy mortgage lenders that refused to do these subprime mortgages. And then 
all these businesses around them are raking in money because they are writing loans for everybody left and right. And so all the big banks said, fuck it, we'll do it too. If that's where all the money is, we'll do it too. And that's journalism, right? It was, we stand on this mountain of journalism. We are totally credible. We do not root. We are above the fray. And then it was like, well, wait a second. Skip Bayless is rooting for this. Wait a second. Bill Simmons is openly rooting. Well, fuck it. I'm, <laughs> those guys are blowing up nationally. And, and that's, that's how things change. And you can stand on the mountaintop and, you know, hold that scepter and say, I'm not changing. I'm not changing. And then you're not going to get a piece of the pie. Right. And then what ends up happening is like, you know, you have a building on Las Olas like the Sentinel had, and then it moves slightly off Las Olas and then it moves to Deerfield. I mean, that, that's, that's yeah, right sad. by the Wawa, though. It's actually a better location because <laughs> by the Wawa. I've never you had I've never had Wawa. Should uh, I? Wawa, Wawa oh, is my God. Cool. I mean, please bring me on for an episode of that, because that's only the great. It's the only good thing Philadelphia has ever produced is Wawa. And I know my wife can hear me in her office. She's from Philly. And I maintain the only good thing Philly has ever produced is Wawa. It's it's not it's not the water ice. I know I, I know I know you've gone about uh, rants about water ice. I mean it's a, you know what, what do we call them things bread toast? I mean water ice. It's just it's water in a different form. It's ice. You're you're calling it both things. It's not you know it's either one or the other. Once once bread gets toasted, it's toast. It's no longer bread. So yeah, don't get me started on the water ice. What is the best thing Chicago has ever produced? Deep dish pizza. Not even a question. But so we have this debate on our string that you would mute. It's not pizza. Um, it's pie. It's mattering. It's not. It's not. It's not pizza. It's pie. I. I, I yeah, thought. I thought. I, I thought I would love deep dish pizza. It's not pizza. It's a totally different food item and one that it's just like it was just this hodgepodge of sauce and crust. Like I, I just. I think it's a. That sounds like you've open- described a pizza. But it's not. But it's not. It's not pizza. That's just. It's pie. No, it's a pizza. And, and, and pizza, deep dish Chicago pizza, when in Chicago, you traveled a lot, Ethan. I'm sure you've had plenty of it. It's, yes. It is heavenly, just heavenly. What's a favorite bit you've ever done? Ooh, favorite bit. Favorite bit. Everybody loves poop shoes from the Levitard show. Mm. Poop shoes. And that's, there's a best of Levitard show. There's two CDs, essentially, that I produced that are available on iTunes and whatever the like Google play and whatnot um, where we took some of our best bits. People still talk to me about poop shoes, which was this, another one of those things where, and, and again, I always say, you know, radio is theater of the mind and it is what it is. In fact, one of the, um, um, what's that kid? Rizmig is Ryan Yusefi. He's, um, He's like in his thirties. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody's a kid to me. I'm going to be 49 in November. Um, <laughs> Uh, is. I had this whole thing when I did mornings with Zaslo I had this whole thing about how Honey Boo Boo is the greatest show on television and then we had the mom on the air with me and Zaslo her name was Mama June and uh, there was a great bit we did we had her live for like 8 minutes and I wanted her to record something that said you know hey it's Mama June I'm listening to Hockman and Zaslo but I couldn't do it off the air because we only had it for eight minutes. So I had her do it on the air. And, and so I'm like, hey, can, can you do us a favor? I'm listening to Hockman. Because the funny thing, they go on these radio tours. They don't know who they're talking to. And so it, it became, I, I think she said, I'm listening to Hockwin and, and Nazareth. Hockwin and Nazareth, something like that. And it was, I mean, we got mileage out of it. We, I, we couldn't even finish the interview because I was laughing so hard. And uh, and I looked to Zaslow for help, and I think he had left the room because he was laughing so hard. <laughs> and so, and but I did this whole thing about how you know this Honey Boo Boo show was such a great show, and then I was having a conversation it was either off air or something with the with Rizmagiz, and uh, and he's like, I just don't understand how you watch that. Like it, you seem beyond Honey Boo Boo, and and I, I'm like, I've never seen a minute of that show. Like I, I've never seen a minute of it. I found it to be an entertaining take. You know, sports radio host that watches Honey Boo Boo and and all that. So we we were doing the Levitard show, and I don't know how we got on the subject. It was probably Dan saying, "How could anyone use the the public restrooms that we have at the studios there?" And so I came up with this thing just off the top of my head that I have a separate set of shoes at my desk. So when I want to go take a dump at work, I put on a different pair of shoes than what I've always worn. And so when I'm sitting there and somebody looks at the shoes, they never think it's me. I have a pair of poop shoes. It's a pair of shoes that you would never attribute to me. 
And Dan and Stu Gotts were uproarious. They couldn't believe that I would do this. And I didn't do it. I, didn't, I mean, it's, it's idiotic. If I, if I didn't take a shit, I'd take a shit. But I, I didn't, like, I wouldn't have a separate pair of shoes. But I, I saw their reaction to it. So I went with it because it was so believable. Like, it was so non believable that it was believable. And people still to this day talk to me about the poop shoes, which never even existed. But I maintain everywhere other than this podcast that, yes, I keep a pair of poop shoes at my desk. So when I want to take a dump at work, I don't want because I know. And that is an awkward thing when people walk in and someone's, you know, taking a dump and they know it's you. And it's it's just awkward. I don't like that. I don't I, I, I would never do that at work. But sometimes you have to. So if you have a separate pair of shoes, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You have a separate pair of shoes, though. You have plausible deniability. But at QIM, there's like a it's like a it's a solo bathroom. Yeah, but I don't want to be the guy. I'm in here. Oh, yeah, you know that's true. What a loser! I had had to be that guy recently. That was terrible. Oh yeah, no. You you, to me, I mean, figure it out. Figure. I used to do (laughs) figure it out. What does that mean? What does that figure figure it out? out. Figure out how not to go. You're an adult. Figure it out. When I used (laughs) to Dan show, we'd be on the air from four till seven. We'd be on the air from four till seven then i think it got extended to three till seven and uh once a month i would host a poker tournament at dania highlight mm-hmm. it was one of my highlights i loved that we were involved with dania highlight the whole story of it is great that's for another another podcast one another one of your smattering of podcasts you have a highlight uh, smattering anywhere oh we will we will soon we will soon the 16th concept is highlight Right after I have a direct line to Joey. If you want to get Joey on to host it, I know him. Right after Bermudez gets that boxing thing off the ground. That's that's right after. But we used to we used to have this thing. So I would come in. I was program director of Seven Ninety for a long time as well. So I would get in at the latest, say nine thirty, ten o'clock, and then Dan's show would start at three, and then the show would end at seven. And then I'd have a poker tournament once a month that would start at eight o'clock at Dania Highline. And I would try to be there up until the last person uh, won. So that would often be till, you know, 11, 12 o'clock. Well, sometimes, I don't know, one, two in the afternoon, I got to take a shit. And I would say to myself, Hockman, you cannot take a shit till about one this morning when you are back home in Boca. So figure it out. And that's what I would do. I'd figure it out. That's the biggest piece of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. Figure out. I'm go to the bathroom, you, I wasn't, man. I wasn't going to go with the 790 bathrooms. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Dania Highlight bathrooms, <laughs> but the prisoners at Abu Ghraib would not go to the bathroom at Dania Highlight. <laughs> that was that was one of my favorite running bits is the waxy bathroom. The waxy, you, you used to call oh, it God. the Abu Ghraib waxy bathroom. And then it got renovated. And then after it was renovated, I guess they didn't make uh, the, the plumbing big enough. So every two weeks we'd get an email. Hey, can't use the bathroom for two days because uh, it's all clogged up. <laughs> And uh, and it was it was one of my sort of favorite things when I started interning at 790 was learning more about the waxy bathroom and just how bad like I, I imagine it to actually be an Abu Ghraib prison cell. Yeah, What's no, that? I and and <laughs> I've had a running bit the last couple of days on the uh, on the air on 560 about the vending machine, the soda machine. Yes, at 560. I, saw, I saw a picture. Of, obviously, I've seen it. I work there, but yeah, the, I, the, I, I the saw soda machine on about at, it. at 560, I believe, is made out of naugahyde. I'm sure it was produced in 1971. I'm not kidding. There's no exaggeration here. When I tweeted out the picture of it, people couldn't believe it. Somebody's like, I saw that at the Smithsonian and not in the cafeteria, but as an exhibit. Like, it's just, it's shocking that this soda machine has not been updated. I guarantee you, Hank Goldberg walked into that kitchen if you want to call it a kitchen and said how come we have such an old soda machine like, like it's, it's unbelievable that we still have this soda machine i say in 2018 i see these places you got 20 30 choices of what you want to eat or what you want to drink ours has five choices a big giant buzzer that you hit like it like you're playing a game show in 1973 and it doesn't give change and it does like it's just it's embarrassing that a radio company, a, a major, you know, medium player in 2018 would allow this vending machine to exist. 
Now, here's the, the backstory on this bit that I've been doing. I know that we're moving facilities, and I know that they are making us a state-of-the-art kitchen and state-of-the-art concessions. I know where they're building it and all this stuff because Entercom is building a huge facility. My end game on this is that Entercom buckled to my demands. This is coming <laughs> in like five or six months. Like I, I know where this bit is going. Like I've, I've had this plotted out for a while that I, I raised my fist and, uh, and look at what Entercom has done to appease me. Chris, you forgot the best part of the, uh, the 790 bathroom. The reason that it kept overflowing, we kept getting those emails, was because someone was sticking condoms down there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best part of that whole thing well i will tell you um our smattering of podcasts when we have an office we will have a state-of-the-art soda machine you're welcome to visit anytime um yeah you have to yeah because there's so many time. ways nowadays will manso at coming out of the 10, wplg New new patron idea. Put this on your thread. New patron idea. You sell those chocolate bars at offices, you know, for three dollars. It's world's greatest chocolate. And you just you know, it's, my son works so for the we're patron. Selling, feed. We're selling wrapping paper for patron. <laughs> I'm gonna walk out of <laughs> I'm gonna walk out of Best Buy during the holiday season. It's gonna be <laughs> It's going to be Ethan, Chris, and, and Alf wrapping presents for $4 like a, like a high school band. <laughs> and my daughter telling us what to do. That's exactly so funny. And that's, that's, a, that's a perfect place to close. And yep. uh, Hawk, appreciate the time. You gave, a, you gave us way too much of it. And uh, we, we hope that you continue to be adversarial with us on social media. <laughs> Quite enjoyable. Put me down for four candy bars. 